Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. But uh, as I get into the message today, I want to share a little bit with you this Sunday. Everybody say, now remember now, next Sunday, what do we have? United Service. It's, it's 4th of July week, 4th of July holiday weekend, so I'm reminding you we'll probably send out an email and and a phone tree this week to remind you. But next Sunday is United Service. We try to do that because of the holidays and, and people coming and going and staff coming and going and everything going on. So next Sunday now we'll have a United Service. It'll be at 1030. So don't forget that. Don't show up at 830. Amen. Come at 1030. All right. Or, or come at 930 for Sunday school and then uh, stay with us afterwards. So that'll be next Sunday. United Service. Please make a note of that. And no Wednesday night uh, auditorium service either, e- either here uh, either this week either we'll, we'll be uh, taking a break from that for, for one Wednesday night now the youth will be meeting doing something separate but as far as the auditorium class there will not be one this Wednesday so do not forget that if you missed the announcements earlier well it's great to be home from Israel we had a great trip God blessed powerfully and uh, like I said, it's, I'm not, usually some, sometimes we need a jolt or something to get going at 830. We've been up quite a while now. Feels like lunchtime, in fact. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's awesome to be home. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for standing in faith with us. For, uh, it, was, it was awesome. God took, care of, God took care of us at every turn. And uh, we, just, we just appreciate it. Let me begin as I get into the message. And this is some of what I'm going to talk about today will fit with this. But uh, if, you got your, if you have your uh, electronic devices, you might want to pull up version because it'll, it'll help you follow me on some things I'm going to talk about today because the notes that are printed, I'm going to preach those in a week or two because I've got to because they're so powerful on the inside of me. I just can't, I can't let that go. That's some teaching that I want to stand in. But... Uh, Today, we'll talk about something else, and then we're going to celebrate communion. But uh, the work in Carmiel, how many of you remember Irene and Sava? That work is powerful. It's strong. We spent uh, the Shabbat service, the Saturday service there, all day with them, and uh, saw God doing great things. And you know what a lot of people don't realize is, Israel, in one sense, it's just like any other nations. They've got drug addicts and... And, uh, and people that are addicted and all kind of stuff. They got whatever problems are existing in the rest of the world, they got those problems too. You know, not everybody is an Hasidic Jew. Not everybody is a rabbi. Not everybody. They've got the same kind of problems we, got, we have here. So in the services there that, that, uh, that Saturday, they had a group there of, uh, of guys who were coming in and trying to get off drugs, and a lot of them got born again and made Jesus their Messiah. They accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And we got to minister to them and, and pray for them. All, everybody that was on the team, how many of you are here that went with us to Israel? Harold, I know Harold's here. One, two, three, there's four or five that are in here this morning. Everybody that was on that team laid hands on people and prayed for them. In fact, I think everybody in the services those, that day got prayed for. Some of them got prayed for more than once. But man, we saw healings. We saw people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, get born again, accept Jesus as Messiah. And you got to realize now, in the nation of Israel, there's, there's restrictions on what they can do and what they cannot do as far as sharing the gospel. The church there, those, how many of you have been there? How many of you have been? The church has a sign on the outside 
that's very small and limited in what it can say. You have to be called a house of prayer. And that's all they'll allow you to put in. It has to be a very small sign outside the door. Now, of course, when we get inside, they worship, man, they, they worship God and praise Him and dance. And, and I tell you what, if you think Stanley Love can dance, he got challenged and Brother Stanley lost. But I tell you what, Brother Stanley, don't lose here, brother. I tell you what, brother, we love you. You are one of a, you are special to us. But I'm just telling you, those Jewish folks, some of them know how to dance. And they did. They worshiped God and praised God. And we, boy, Pete, I tell you, man, we, we just saw God moving and signs and wonders. And everybody that was on the team prayed for people. And we had to literally, we had to, we, we had to leave because we had a break time and we had to be back to start the other services. And we had to just finally just say, we got to go. Come on, we got to go. We prayed and prayed and prayed. We came back for the evening uh, session, and, and Robbie and Andrew brought the word, and then uh, uh, Brother Stanley and, and Drew went and ministered again on the uh, Sunday night service in Akko. Some of you probably remember, uh, uh, some of you probably been to Akko with us, and they went and ministered in the church there. So I'm just saying all of this to tell you that the work there is thriving, it is great, it is blessed, and they, listen, they are participating in doing everything they can to bring many of the Jewish uh, people home from Russia and Ukraine that are migrating back to Israel. And they're trying to help them come and try to take care of them. And so on Monday, before we left, we spent Monday morning back at the church again, before we went to Jerusalem, we spent Monday morning back at the church again. And what we did was we put together packages of food for those who are needy. Israel has a lot of needy people, a lot of immigrants that are coming there that don't have much to take care of them. Stuff is very expensive, very expensive there. One Coke, $4. <laughs> we, met, we found a McDonald's after we'd been there while some of them were just having a, having a terrible withdrawal. <laughs> so we stopped, and me and Harold and I ordered our meal together. And when the guy said, we said we need to pay in dollars, this is just me and Harold, one combo meal, $36. <laughs> said, Hallelujah. That's the last time we went to McDonald's, I'll tell you that. They're proud of their stuff, 36 bucks for two, little, for two combo meals, just the regular thing. So I say all that to say everything's very expensive. Gas is between 7 and $8 a gallon. And so you see a lot of folks that take uh, public transportation and, and smaller cars. But uh, it, was, it was just, you know, an eye-opening experience. And this is the third year in a row that I've been there, and I'll, I'll share with you some things that I saw that were different this year, completely different. I felt, and most of us did, that had been there for the last three years. But uh, we were able to put together those, and you bought the food for it. You bought all these canned goods and staples, and there's pictures that are available that, that you can see, on, especially on Facebook page, and my, my Facebook page, and Steve's Facebook page, Steve Braswell, who did a super job documenting all of this and, and putting it together. Uh, got to do a lot of teaching at the different sites that we went to. It took some time just to... To, to bring forth some revelation on the spots that, where we were. And so go to Facebook and, and go to Steve's page and my page, and you can see a lot of this. But we spent Monday putting together packages. How many, how many did we put together total? 300 outreach packages that they'll go out. And what they'll do is now they'll take those and they'll go into community and they'll have a cultural program and they'll minister to the needy. And then what they're allowed to do is, is as people ask them questions about who they are and what they're going on, then they can share. 
Then they can one-on-one share with them, and they'll establish a church in that community. They'll establish a group, a home group, a church group, some kind of outreach group in that community that will minister to the people right there. I want you to say with me today, the seed seed that left my hand hand did not not leave my future. future. See, there, it's still working. I told you. I told you. But by and large, let me say this, and I want to get into the teaching today. The nation... And what's going on there now is felt completely different than it has uh, the two previous years that I've been there in that there is much more, all I can say is there's tension. There's, uh, we never experienced animosity before like we did this time. We're on the Mount of Olives, standing on the Mount of Olives and boy, Palestinian guy started going off on us. You, you know, you, you Jew-loving Americans, why don't you get out of here? I mean, it was, you know, you've got to realize now the Mount of Olives is, on, is in a Palestinian section of Jerusalem. Most people, a lot of people have a misunderstanding about Israel and about what's going on over there. There are sections of that city that are completely Muslim, just like there are uh, sections of the city that are completely Palestinian. And, and uh, we, we, we experience, there's just a, you can sense there's a tension in the air. We were down on the Sea of Galilee, and some of you may have seen it. What, the day that we were there on the Golan Heights, uh, someone fired across from Syria, and a f- father had taken his son to work with him that day on the Israel side, and they fired that rocket and killed that little 15-year-old boy. And what they're trying to do, the, what they want to do is try to drag Israel into the war in Syria with all that's going on there because they know that if they can get Israel in the war, then all the other Arab nations will line up against them. And that's what they're trying to do. And so uh, we, that happened while we were right down on the Sea of Galilee, which you can look up on the Golan, on the Golan Heights, and see that. We got into Jerusalem. We had a great time. I've never felt, we never felt, you know, not safe as far as, you know, at times it was, you felt a little bit of uneasiness. But like I said, there's a tension there. Don't be surprised if things don't start really, really escalating over there. I'm just telling you, don't be surprised if things don't escalate. Because we got up uh, Thursday to, uh, to the Temple Mount. Which, by the way, those of you need to realize that in the old city, everything that's on the Temple Mount, when you see the pictures of Jerusalem, you know that gold dome that you see? That is a Muslim shrine. That is not a, 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 a tabernacle. That is not, that is not a, a place for, for, for the Jews to come and worship. That is Muslim. And inside that, on the Temple Mount, is also a Muslim mosque. Now, it's under Israel. Israel patrols it. Their soldiers are in there. But everything that goes on inside that is pretty much, it's Muslim. And so as you're, as you're walking around and you're seeing all this and you're going to the diff- different places, realize that that gold dome that you see is built on the, what they believe is the exba- exact spot where Abraham took Isaac up to offer him as a sacrifice. Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is is underneath that gold dome. And they believe, the Jews believe, that underneath that gold dome also is the original site of the tabernacle, the temple. And they believe that also buried underneath that temple, underneath those ruins that they will not allow them to excavate, is the Ark of the Covenant. And they are adamant about rebuilding that temple. The Jewish people are adamant about going, they're going to rebuild that temple. In fact, we went to the Temple Institute. They've already got the furniture ready. 
including a $2 million menorah that is on display, pure gold that sits out. It is ready to go into that building. Now, here's the thing. If you don't believe the Bible's true, and if you don't believe the Bible is set up to be proved to be true, in order for that temple to be rebuilt, the dome of the rock's got to come down. You better hear what I'm saying. This is Bible stuff. And folks, let me tell you, whatever causes that dome of the rock to come down, you better get ready for a war like you've never seen before. Because the Muslims, there you see, that's it. We walked all around it. They had set up the next day, I believe, began Ramadan. And so as we're walking around in that area, inside the old city, you see the walls there in front? I hadn't really intended to talk about this this much, but this is, this is good. You can see the walls, the original walls around the old city there that are just this side. And then there's some white statues on the other side that you can see. We walked around inside there and... and and you'll just be walking. And we got there really early. We were, we were there. We, we got up at 5.30. And, and we got, because you got to get in line. It usually takes a while to get in. And you hear, as you're walking around, uh, you'll hear, Akbaho Allah. Akbaro Allah. Which is their way of saying, our God is greater. And, they, and it's loud. And it echoes throughout that place. Because they consider this, and get this, and I'm just going to tell it like it is. They consider this to be a holy place to them. But there's just one problem with that. Mohammed never left Saudi Arabia. That's a historical fact. And so how they get around that is, they believe... And I, listen, I'm not making, trying to make fun of anybody's religion, but I'm just telling you, this is, what they, this is how they connect all of that. They believe one day he got on a magical flying horse and flew there. I'm serious. That's how they try to explain that. But let me just tell you the bottom line. The bottom line is this. They don't really care that much about that being a holy site. They just hate Israel and they hate the Jews. And they're going to do everything they can to stop them. They have trashed it. You look in places of it and there's just junk piled up in corners. They have desecrated it. And so it really doesn't mean anything to them, but it does mean something to them because they know this is where Jesus walked. They know the, the Jews want to be, rebuild the temple there, even those who are not Messianic. Of course, they're involved in this. That's why it means so much to them. But I'm going to tell you, there is tension in the air. We were going to visit a place inside there, inside those walls that afternoon. And we got there after we'd gone to the Holocaust Museum. We got there. And just as we were driving up to the place to where we're going to get out, all of a sudden, here comes a mob of people screaming and hollering out of, out of the gates of one of those walls that you saw. And our tour guide, she immediately said, stay here, we are not getting off the bus. She's a Messianic Jewish lady, passionate, as most of them are. She said, no, stay right here, we're not getting off the bus. And so, man, literally within 60 seconds, Brother Al, the Israeli soldiers are there with their machine guns, on horseback, and so what? Some kind of riot had broken out among the Muslims there, 
And uh, we, so we just, she said, we're just not going to be able to visit those two places. We just can't. So we turned, turned our, our bus around and we went, went down another street. And just probably five minutes away, we go into, and you've got to realize, the garden tomb, the place where you see the sign that for he is not here, he is not here for he is risen. We're in that area. And all of a sudden we hear boom, 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 pow, 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 pow. And I was standing with Harold Jr. back there. Harold looked at me and said, that's gunshots. I said, sure enough, sounds like it to me too, brother. And sure enough, it was. Because they had, that, that ride had gotten worse. And the police were, uh, not the police, but the Israeli soldiers were shooting, firing tear gas. And this is literally, I mean, you got to realize we're in the Muslim quarter. We're in the Arab quarter. And so it was all around. There is tension in that nation that is unlike anything that I've experienced in the last two years. So I'm just telling you, don't be surprised if prophetic events do not begin to take place rather quickly. Don't be shocked because I'm going to tell you this. The Jewish people, there are those there that are absolutely passionate about rebuilding the temple. And they're going to rebuild it. Listen, they're going to rebuild it. They're not going to rebuild it anywhere else except where you saw that gold dome. That's where it's going. And in order for that to happen, it's got to come down. And when that comes down, it will be an excuse for the, the, the Muslim nations and the radicals. Of course, they already are trying to do that. But, you know, I, listen, I'm going to share more with you next week about the nation, what I sensed about the nation, what I think God wants us to do in our nation about some things that I saw there among the, the, the people of Israel that I feel like we need to take a lesson from, that we can learn from. I'll share that more with you next week as, as we get into a, a, the 4th of July weekend. But, you know... I just want to say it's, it's an awesome opportunity for us. Thank you for allowing us to go and experience that and to be a part of it. Uh, it, was, it. This was the most different trip that I've ever had there by far because of the feel, because of what's going on, because of the sense that we got of things that are happening. So pray for the Jewish believers there. Did you hear what I said? And pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because I'll tell you this. <laughs> it'll take the Prince of Peace ruling and reigning to bring peace to Jerusalem. Unless you go and experience it on, and again, this was the, I learned more, Huey, this time than I've ever learned. And all the, it, it takes levels for your understanding. And what God's been speaking to me in all of this and teaching me in all this about the law and about the, uh, the, uh, all that Jesus has done, it, it, it became clearer than it's ever been before. And so I want to talk to you for just a few moments before we celebrate communion today about receiving from the finished work of Jesus. Everybody say the finished work. You know, Romans, well, let me, let me just say this. My calling, the anointing that is on my life right now is to teach you about God's relentless love and His grace and how it can change everything in your life when you understand it and when you receive it. And when you open yourself to it, it changes everything. What does Romans chapter 2 verse 4 say? I'll tell you what it says. It says that the love of God and the goodness of God leads us to repentance. 
And you know what repent means? Repent means to change. A change of mind, a change of heart, a change of attitude. Repentance is not necessarily wailing and, and, and I'm, not, I'm saying that may be part of it, but that's not what repentance is. Repentance simply means a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction to turn around. Well, God said, it is my love and my goodness and my kindness that will bring you to that place of repentance. That is the gift of, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, that is on my life right now that I believe, and this is what God is allowing me to speak into this house. God's love is relentless. It's His kindness that brings change. It's His grace and love that changes us. I want you to say with me today, thank you, Lord. Lord. Your grace and your love love change me. me. And boy, that's a revelation. That, That is powerful. A lot of us think if we can change, then God will be good to us and then God will love us. When God says that His goodness, He will show you regardless of your behavior, and that will empower you to change. I want you to say it with me this way. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Your goodness and your grace grace will empower me to change. change. How many of you think you need to to have some changes in your life? You're not through changing. Boy, I got both hands up. Pete, I got them both lifted up. I am saying, God, teach me. I, had, I listened to everything I could get a hold of. I'm, I'm listening to the Spirit. I am praying that prayer out of Ephesians 24-7. I'm listening to everything we were, that we were over there. I'm asking God, Lord, show me, teach me. I want to understand. I want to move into this place. And, and, and you, you'll be changed as you receive God's goodness and His grace. When God shows you His goodness, listen. Regardless of your behavior, regardless of your failures, that will empower you to change. Now, I want you to know, I'll tell you, and I'm just going to have to say this like it is. I have spent years in the ministry, be 40 years next year that we've been here. 40 years, that's a long time. But I'm going to tell you, I am just now, I believe, after spending years in the Scripture trying to really understand what the gospel is, trying to hear what God had to say about grace and trying to hear what God has to say about His love and His amazing gift. I feel like I am just now at 61 years old after 40, almost 40 years here full-time, I feel like I am just now getting to the place that I am operating in what God has birthed and called me to do. Doesn't mean that what happened before wasn't profitable, but what I'm saying is I am in a place right now, Brother Norval, that I feel like I am just now beginning to walk in the understanding and anointing that God has been trying to impart to my life in this message that I'm bringing to you and in, in what God is saying into this house, I believe, for just such a time as this. So, I want you to say with me today, God's love love for me me is great. great. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And I want to read it to you. I'd like to read it to you out of the message because I think it says it it, it it so, so powerfully. Paul says it this way, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude... For all that God has given me. 
and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, listen to this, in pure grace. Everybody say pure grace. It is important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves, oh my goodness, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. Whoo, Lord. We have to have an understanding of who God is and what He has done for us in order to understand ourselves. We're trying to understand ourselves apart from God. We're trying to understand ourselves apart from God's grace. We're trying to understand ourselves apart from God's unlimited acceptance, and you'll never be able to do it. And we're trying to understand ourselves apart from Jesus' finished work as believers, and it'll never work. John 19, 30. Look at John chapter 19, verse 30. A passage that we all know, but I want us to see it kind of in a different light today. John chapter 19, verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He gave up the ghost. Everybody say finished. Finished. That word for finished there where Jesus said, basically, Jesus hung on that cross and he cried out with a loud voice. And we were there, right there, somewhere around this area where Jesus was crucified, where he was placed in that tomb, where he came out of that tomb. But Jesus hung on that cross. And in a little while, we're going to celebrate communion. And he cried out, Harold, finished. That word, listen, finished means truly complete. To conclude Watch this, to discharge a debt, it means to accomplish. It means to make an end. When Jesus' church hung on that cross and his blood poured down and he cried out, finished, Jesus didn't say finished because he was tired. Sometimes we can say finished because, man, I am just finished, I'm done. Because we give up. Jesus didn't say finish because he gave up. Jesus cried out finish because everything that God had called him to do and called him to accomplish was complete. Everything that was necessary for you and I to be redeemed and be a part of the family of Almighty God. Watch this, was finished. Jesus wasn't wore out and giving up and sitting down and saying, I quit. I'm finished. It's over. I'm going to sit down here and rest a while. Bless God. Jesus was saying, the job has been done. It is finished. Oh, hallelujah. And as I walked around the land of the law, really, the place that where so many are still under the law, oh, my heart for Israel was that they might know that God loves them. Amen. That they might know that Jesus came, Messiah came, Yeshua came, and he hung on that cross, and he cried out, it is finished. The law has been fulfilled. Amen. Yes. Jesus, Savior, Messiah. So I want everybody to say with me, finished. finished. 
You will not understand the gospel until you understand this. Because so many still walk under a mixture of grace and law. And as I walked through Israel, oh, my heart within me burned that they might know what I'm preaching to you today. So in 1930, John 1930, Jesus said, finished. I mean, it was accomplished. Jesus made an end of it. But now look in Hebrews chapter 10. Pete already referred this morning to in that, in that prophetic word that he gave us uh, to Hebrews 11. Look in Hebrews chapter 10. In fact, I've got to re- begin at verse 1 where it says this, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. In other words, even when they rebuild that temple, as the Jewish people want to do, they need to realize, and here's, what, here's, here's the thing, because you, you hear them talk about it at the Temple Institute. Here, here's what they believe, Pete. They believe that when they rebuild that temple, Messiah will come. What they're missing is Messiah is coming. He's just coming back. <laughs> Glory be to God. Because those sacrifices couldn't make you perfect. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purged, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in, sac- in those sacrifices, listen, there is a reminder of sins every year. In other words, you could go in and on that one day of atonement have that uh, sacrifice given. And immediately you walked out and messed up, you had to live with it for another year. There's a reminder of sins. There's a reminder of failure. It was constantly out there in front of you. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he goes to verse 5. Let's jump down to verse 8. Verse 9. Well, let's go to verse 10. Hallelujah. We'll get there in a minute. But here it is. By that will... We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How often? For how long? One sacrifice for all mankind for all time and eternity. No more year after year. I'm talking it is finished. It is complete. One sacrifice, one time for all mankind forever and ever and ever. Verse 11. Boy, this is powerful. And every priest stands. You need to underline that. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, only cover sins. Under the old, your sins were only covered. They were not taken away. They were covered, and every year there had to be a renewal. Watch this. Now, remember, that priest stands. Verse 12. But this man, what man would that be? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, one sacrifice 
for sin forever, what did he do? He sat down, glory be to God, at the right hand of God. Jesus didn't sit down because he was worn out and whipped. Jesus sat down because it was finished. It was done. It was accomplished. And here's the thing I want you to see. We were visiting the Temple Institute, and that girl there talking about passionately about rebuilding that temple and getting everything done. They got the furniture ready. They got everything laid out. And, and, and I could not wait to ask my question. We're going through it, and I said, I've got a question I've got to ask her because I've got to find out. Because they went through everything. They showed us how the people would come and where it was all taking place and the altars that were built and, and all these things that were going on. And so when we got to the end of the tour, I just slipped over there by her. I said, I have a question for you. Was there any place in there for the high priest to sit down. She said, oh, no. The high priest never sat down. The high priest, there are no chairs in there. The high priest had to stand. He could not ever be seated because his work was never done. And I'm telling you, I'm... I'm trying not to have a glory fit right there in that room because I'm thinking about these verses and I'm getting chill bumps right now as I'm sharing it with you because Jesus, the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, after he had hung on that cross, I might have to run a lap around this church, after he had shed his blood, after he had cried out, it is finished, after he had resurrected from the grave, during that time when he went into the Holy of Holies, yeah. that heavenly temple, that place where the mercy seat abides, and he had sprinkled his blood, oh my God, on that heavenly mercy seat, he did the one thing the high priest could not do. Jesus said, I'm going to pull up a chair and have a seat because my work is complete. It is finished. Oh my God. You know, Pete, brother, you were asking, how would we act if we already got it? That's what I'm doing. I'm acting right now like I know, my God, everything God ever promised me has been accomplished. It is done. It is finished. That's why I'm such a radical worshiper. That's why I preach like I preach. Why? Because I have an understanding deep in my heart. Bless God, it is finished. Jesus has made the way, and he had a seed, but that's not the end of the story. So I want you to say with me, Jesus was finished. Jesus was finished. Say, Jesus was, Jesus was seated. Now look at Colossians 3, verse 1. It says this, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. I want you to say with me, Jesus was finished. Jesus was seated. We are raised with him. That is identification. That is what grace has provided. That is what Jesus has done. 
Not only has Jesus done it for himself for the fulfillment of the law, but he has done it for us and he has raised us up together and made us sit together. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. My God, we can't leave this without talking about Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 4, it says, But God who is rich in mercy. How many know if somebody's rich in something, they got a lot of it? I said God's rich in mercy. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love where he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together. Here it is, with Christ. With Christ. With Christ. By grace you've been saved. He raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am raised up with him and I am sitting with him in that Amen. place. Amen of the finished work, yeah. of the accomplished work, yeah. of everything that Jesus had provided. I am in that. That is in me. I am in him. We are inseparable. Hallelujah. And so is every other born-again, spirit-filled believer in this house. Raised up with him and seated with him. Whew. Somebody say, keep looking down. No, nah, come on. You ain't got it. Keep looking down. I'm seated in the heavenlies. So I want you to say with me, Jesus was finished. Jesus was seated. We are raised with him. And we are seated with him. That's where we are. That's what Jesus has accomplished. Now, my question is, based on this finished work, glory to God, how do we live in God's pure grace, that, that grace that we read about? How do we live in that place where we are experiencing God's pure grace in our lives, His unmerited love and favor? How do we experience that power and strength in the midst of our weakness? How do we experience mercy in the midst of our failure? How do we experience his ability in the midst of our lack of ability or even our inability? And the only way to do this, to understand ourselves and to experience this pure grace is by what God is and what he does, as I said, for us and not what we are and what we do for him. Let me tell you about pure grace. Everybody say pure grace. Pure grace is to understand who he is and what he has done for us. Pure grace will always bring strength, comfort, and encouragement. Did you hear what I said? I mean, we get energized. When I begin to hear about Jesus saying it's finished, when I begin to hear about Jesus having a seat, when I begin to hear about these things, it will bring strength, comfort, and energy. Not only that, pure grace will always bring rest. Pure grace will always bring favor. Pure grace will always bring ability, supernatural ability. Pure grace will always cause our hearts to desire to please God. Amen. And here's the thing, and I've got to move along because we've got to celebrate communion, pray for folks, and see signs, wonders, and miracles manifest. I said signs, wonders, and miracles manifest every time we get together, every time we get in here. Why? Because Jesus said it's finished. Miracles are here. Signs are here. Wonders are here. Healing is here. Deliverance is here. The power of God is here. 
because Jesus did it all. Oh, glory be to God. I'm trying to behave myself this morning, but I'm just having a hard time not just, just acting plumb wild up in here. Now, here's something you got to realize. The Christian life is not built on the promises that we make to God. In fact, I wouldn't have planned on going here, but I'll just go ahead and go here now. <laughs> this is strong. You know what? I didn't have y'all say it today, but I better go ahead and get you say it now. Everybody say, Brother Scotty. Brother Scotty. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bring, it. Bring it. We ready. We ready. All right, we'll see. Under the old covenant, coming into the new covenant, God had decided that when it came to establishing of the new covenant, He was going to establish a covenant that wasn't dependent on man anymore. Where man could mess it up. Oh my God. God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to run. I'm going to try to hold it to the 1030 service, but I'm fixing to have to run. By the way, you go preaching on the mission field, fixing to don't translate good. <laughs> huh, I'm fixing to run. What, what fixing to mean? <laughs> he said, God said, I'm not going to have a covenant that man that's dependent on man anymore. I will have a covenant that is dependent upon the man, Christ Jesus, and he will shed his blood, and it will not be, oh my God, it will not be a covenant that man can mess up anymore because Jesus said, finished, it is done, it is complete. Man, I wish somebody get excited with me in this house this morning. Somebody say, preach it, Brother Scotty. Mm -mm -mm. So therefore, I can say that the Christian life is not built on the promises that we make to God. The Christian life is built on the promises that God has made to us. Ah, <laughs> uh, in Jesus. All the promises that God made to us. My promise. And you know what he said? He said, my promises are well every now and then and maybe so. No, That ain't what he said. He said, my promises are yes and amen. Take it to the bank. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Finished. Finished. You know what this means, Keith? You know what, you know what this, 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 this translates into in our lives? I don't have to be wore out, beat down, beat up, exhausted, just completely from my own works all the time. Man, you get into a place like this where you begin to operate in pure grace and you begin to understand what I'm telling you, it'll change your life. You will be energized from the inside out because the work that I do, it's, it's because there is something on the inside of me called grace and love and a revelation of who God is that empowers me where I don't have to operate in the flesh all the time. My Lord is powerful. Powerful. Christianity is an encounter with a force that is so great that it heals you everywhere you're hurting. It fills you everywhere you're empty. 
And it changes you everywhere you're broken. And it restores you everywhere that you're sick. That is pure Christianity. That is pure grace. That is the pure love of God. That is the pure provision of Jesus, our Lord, and His blood. Oh, He sprinkled His blood on that heavenly mercy seat. And in Hebrews, it also says that the blood speaks better things. (laughs) Oh, I hear something. It's the blood of Jesus. And you know what it's saying? It's saying saved. It's saying healed. It's saying delivered. It's saying set free. It's saying every chain of bondage and lack is broken off of your life. It is saying provision. The blood of Jesus is speaking on your behalf. It is speaking on my behalf. It is making declarations today. Jesus' blood is perfect. Jesus' blood was shed so that you and I could walk in all the redemption of what his sacrifice provided for us when he hung on that cross. My God, I went and looked in the tomb. He's not there. He's gone. It's empty. But that blood is still speaking. Jesus sat down because he could sit down because the blood still speaks. Oh, my God. Lord, have mercy. I hope this is coming alive on, some of, on, on the inside of some of you this morning. And I don't have time. We're not going to have, I was going to talk a little bit about First Kings. I'll get to it in the next week or two. God doesn't give up on us. I tell you what, that blood speaks, and it'll continue to speak. You can go out and sin. You can, turn, you can do all kind of things, but I'm going to tell you something. That blood still speaks. That blood's still powerful. That blood is still speaking on your behalf. Glory be to God. No matter where you are today, I'm going to tell you, God is the God of the supernatural. I said God's the God of the supernatural. Everywhere you're hurting, every place that you're empty, anything that's going on in your life, I'm telling you, He is the supernatural God. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to quit on you. He's not going to turn His back on you. That is pure grace. And I'm going to leave you with this because I believe it's, it's powerful. Get ready because something amazing is about to happen in your life. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Something amazing is about to happen in your life. I'm telling you, I walked, I walked the land of Israel for 10 days. I felt it. There's, there's prophetic things that are going on. The tension is there. But you know, just as surely as the Bible prophesies these end-time events that will take place, The Bible also prophesies that there will be a great outpouring of God's Spirit. Yes. So I'm telling you right now, get ready because God is about to do something amazing in your life. Supernatural, Holy Ghost, power-packed, amazing. The devil can't stop it. I'm telling you, I read the end of the book of Revelation something again this week, and we win, glory to God. It's still there. Hallelujah. The devil's defeated. Jesus' blood is crying out on our behalf. Something amazing is about to happen in your life and in my life. And here's what I want you to understand. 
that amazing thing that is about to happen in your life and happen in my life has nothing to do with where you are right now because God is about to do something in you that doesn't necessarily line up with where you are right now in the natural, but it's in the spirit. I said it's in the spirit. It's in the spirit. God is about to release something in your life that may not line up with where you are in the natural. Hallelujah. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I don't care how you want to say it. You can say the wagons are coming. You can say Jesus' blood is speaking. You can do anything you, you can call it anything you want, but I'm telling you, God is about to do something in your life right now. And you might be at your lowest point. You might be at the bottom. You might be the most discouraged you've ever been. You might be a, you know, I, somebody this week, I, you know, God just wants us to do one thing, Pete, believe. <laughs> can you believe? If you can believe, if you just believe, why do I believe? Let's look up here. Oh, God, I got to quit. I believe. What do I believe? I believe that Jesus said it's finished. Yes. I believe Jesus accomplished it all. I believe that Jesus has done it all. I believe it. That's all I got to do is believe it. Glory be to God. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. Our services are held on Sundays at 8:30 and 10:30 a.m. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at lifechurchmobile.com.